Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Event Brew. This is Will Kern from Endless Events, joined by Nick Borelli of Borelli Strategies, Dustin Westling of One West Events, and Tui Deep of Hot Rock Creative. Did I get that right this time? Two out of three. Because I'm on fire. I feel energized because I got my cup of chai latte ready to go. What do you guys got going on in your cups today? This is let's, recorded. Let's in start with correction. Let's start with corrections <laughs> corner for Nick. No, nah, it's okay. I, I I definitely used to have uh, uh, a consultancy called Borelli Strategies up until recently, so that's definitely. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thing. Whoops. Well, we'll 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 re we'll re input this episode into the past. Yeah, it's and fine. And just kidding, Dick. Nick's at all seated now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. I'm so used to saying it because. <laughs> You make fun of it so much whenever we would do the show. I mean, I'm just Anyways. happy to not hear it anymore, frankly. I mean, it was fun, but um, the name was uh, just no fun saying. Um, yeah, so that's great. Uh, I'm drinking sparkling water, and uh, it's got caffeine in it, so it sort of counts. Wait, like... Ex- explain. S- keep, keep caffeinated going. sparkling water is just... That's caffeinated. It's just soda, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess it's sparkling ice... Uh, Okay, spark sparkling water with caffeine. I don't know. To, to I mean, it's not monster. Is it, it is has it soda like, or is it water? I feel like it's not just a Monster Energy drink. A sparkling I mean, water with caffeine in it. That's a oh, brand. Actually, no, there are there are sparkling waters that are caffeinated. I've had. Yeah, some. I'm drinking one. But it's not really soda. It's just. Uh, it's just like one of those is a hot dog a sandwich thing you know i i I don't know (laughs) i mean it's not uh, of the hills i'm going to die on someday i think that's going to be one of the lower ones whatever people want to call it pop soda sparkling um uh chemicals it's all good it's bad for me and it's going to me right now i'd say the caffeine's only bad part we're we're gonna eventually get you the caffeine free version of uh sparkling water and just you know get you on that bubbly I mean, it probably doesn't have enough cyanobalomium in it, so um, or or some kind of hydrochloride in it that I really love, um, and I'll, I'll probably miss. Um, but we'll see. Interesting. Tui, what do you got in your cup? I just have some good old matcha green tea, organic, nothing in it, just hot. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just curious straight, about just that. Just straight matcha, no like latte or anything like that. Ooh. Nope, just straight matcha. I'm drinking my least favorite of the bubbly flavors, the lime bubbly. It's not great. It's not great. I buy them. I buy a flat of them, so you're forced mm. to take six. Like of it these. has like a variety of flavors. Yeah, this is my and least. I was favorite. gonna say, or is it like one of those scenarios? You know, when you you have like this variety pack, and you know there's gonna be the crappy flavor in the end, or the one that you don't want, right? It's like the Frito Lay's when you get the Dorito like 
combo pack, right? The question is, do you eat the crappy ones along the way to kind of like null out the fact that they suck? Or do you just like save them all for the end and then just endure for like a week of like crappy? I save them till the end. This oh, is I, uh, this is lime, lime bubbly today and tomorrow. Yeah, I do the opposite. I, same thing when I, I eat my vegetables. I'll eat it right first, get it out of the way, get the crappy flavors out of the way too with the soda mix packs. And, and then it's like smooth sailing after that. I did my work. Now I get to have my uh, <laughs> lemon and orange are my two favorites from Bubbly. I, I'm just imagining Dustin like we you don't know, have taking a knife to the Bubbly and just like shotgunning all the lime Bubblies like right at the beginning. Like he gets they have pack, caffeinated Bubblies now too. Oh, gotta get down. We have, yeah, we don't have all the flavors that you do. Yeah, it's just a sad world over here. You're polite, I guess. They probably. Offered them to you, and you said other people have like, first. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Well, let's uh, let's dive into this week's topic. Super controversial um, around the interwebs. We're hearing a lot of people saying that uh, virtual events are more accessible, more people can attend them. You know, but the question we want to ask is: Are they truly more accessible? Nick, this started off with a little bit of reading that you were doing over uh, over the interwebs this past week. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm i definitely someone who has uh, and been reading every article that Event Manager blog has put out for years now. And uh, this one, it was it ticked a bunch of boxes as far as things I'm looking at these days. As far, uh, virtual events, obviously, is high up there. That doesn't put me in, in a small group. Uh, but the accessibility uh, part of it, I'm really fascinated with because... Um, I've been looking at as far as like trends and I just did this presentation for MPI called the human trends impacting uh, experience design. And um, one of them was this idea of um, inclusiveness um, and like inclusiveness being um, one of the couple different things uh, that leads to belonging and belonging being one of the most important factors in experience design. Um, I was looking at what we will kind of uh, design for now and how in the past there was a certain percentage where we would say, and I think this is just in everything outside of events too, but if you weren't cresting over a certain percentage um, um, of like uh, the target audience, uh, then so what, you know, like we're not designing for you. You can get out like this is for this group. And um, that hasn't been that way in a while. And I think it's going even further. And I think that's a great thing. Like, I think that's one of the best um, aspects of um, experience design really is designing for um, the most amount of people um, and learning from it so you can be more and more inclusive as you continue to design. And I think it's kind of a hack job to like only, you know, shoot for the middle. Um, that said, um, virtual events, like one of the, the things that I've, I've heard in the last year is that there was a lot of people who were attending events, you know, uh, however you want to term that, who hadn't really attended events before or, or, or not regularly um, because there were different barriers. And then it really started making me think of like, what are all the barriers to live events? Um, will we learn to design live events in order to remove some of those barriers? Are some of those barriers intrinsic to live events and therefore the virtual event sort of fills this niche of, you know, being able to uh, bring in people in a community that normally wouldn't be able to. So I've been kind of like looking at that a lot because there's so many uh, different types of barriers that exist. Uh, and there's a lot of things we can do and there's a lot of things we can't do. So I'm really focused on the things we can do. 
Um, and virtual events, you know, like if you live far away or if you don't have, you know, the economic means or um, if things are different time zones, whatever. Like there's lots of things that sort of democratize um, uh, attendance through virtual. Um, but I think just like face to face, there's a lot of work to be done to um, make them increasingly uh, accessible um, and and uh, have ability to have uh, a level of inclusiveness and belonging uh, on both sides. So I'm curious to see if you, you've seen some things in virtual, but let's say in the positive first, that you're like, oh man, this is cool that these people get to contribute now. I think one of my favorite stories was uh, I was producing a virtual event uh, back in November and an attendee sent us in a message and said, you know, like I've been, I've been producing this in person, you know, out there retreat to the middle of nowhere for years. And um, the person said to me, hey, you know, like, thank you so much for putting this on and doing it virtually. I've never been able to attend one because I'm in a wheelchair. We go to these like super remote locations that it wouldn't be ideal. Right. Um, and that was just so cool to be able to think about that, that we were able to give the summit kind of experience that we had done in the past. It's like life changing experience. It was also life changing for me when I attended it, that they then ended up being able to experience it. And that was that was super duper cool. And I felt like that wouldn't have been necessarily possible unless like we had really gone out of our way to like really design this um, really smartly uh, to be able to allow that. Um, that was just one small example, obviously, but not the total on there. Tui, Dustin, what, what other examples do you have? Yeah, I think the the accessibility thing is, and we're we're gonna flop back and forth between inclusivity and accessibility a little bit. So, so, so bear, yeah, that's my bear. bad. I, I I butchered. Yeah, inclusivity, <laughs> accessibility. You know, yeah, which, similar topics, but not the same. Yeah, but I, I do think on the note of accessibility, I think that this is such a game changer for for attendees that that don't have the ability to to get up and go or um for for a number of different reasons and i think that's that's just one small part of this but um but yeah you've got you know that that person in a wheelchair and then there's a myriad of other reasons why people um can't can't physically or, or mentally go and attend an event and now having that opportunity is 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 quite incredible and probably shining a light on a, a part of the population that maybe we weren't really working that hard to get them into our live event. And I think that, that, and I, 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 I say this carefully, I think that, um, that we weren't working hard for them to be a part of our event because it was hard <laughs> and it was, and it added a lot of expense and a lot of challenges. And, um, and now that, that, that barrier is gone and that, that, that is good. And I think, I think maybe to, to one of Nick's points, um, you know, we, as we go back live and for those events that choose to go back live, I think there's going to be more pressure to do these things because now we've, we've opened it up and made it accessible. So we're going to need to work really hard to make the live version just as accessible in the future. I mean, Tui, so when you look at, um, partners for events, um, and you're trying to determine like who to work with, um, do you consider like, um, I don't know, do, do you ever like call upon any of their um, uh, experience to determine if like there's things they can do when they contribute to their events that add a level of accessibility? Because I, I think about that all the time when it comes to like maybe rentals, you know, like is there or is there an aspect of rentals that that actually would make venues more accessible? Is that something that they could have as like a a line of what they do, uh, especially because I'm trying to figure out how ways to make rental companies have a, a brighter future. 
yeah. or like other vendors that you think of that would like really like aid that in the live events? For the, I seek those kind of people, and if anything, it's like just an under well awareness, and then also like experience, knowledge, and just being cultured, right? To like really understand empathy and you know, pe other people's like situations where there's been times that I didn't even think about that and to rely on that partner in regards to maybe it's within the realm of expertise that they're in. So you're talking about rental companies, right? And so maybe I'm not thinking necessarily, or even just a venue, like particular show flow because I'm not an expert in that, in that one area. And so they bring that into awareness because of their experience. Hey, we've had this before in a live event, or um, they're just think they're helping me think outside the box, saying, "Oh well, hey, you mentioned like the demographic is this." They, you do that all the time with F and B, right? Oh, they're meat and potato kind of people, so then they carry that ar around it. And so, yeah, relying on them, and and I think a way to vet that is just getting to know them as like individuals, so that you can hear what their thoughts are and how they problem solve and so that helps with being like inclusive in in that in regards in live events i would think in live events like the two vendor types that would probably have the ability to push this the furthest and make an impact on uh designers would be uh both rental uh like uh furniture and and, and the like uh, rental companies and then audio visual having kinds of yeah. lines of uh services um yeah uh so like lines of services that would um uh just remind them and also just have like a bunch of um uh, th uh, products that are kind of put together in a collection um and i think that like rentals could easily do that when it comes to like ramps or when it comes to uh certain chair uh stylings or or that kind of thing of like, you know, like, let's push this, let's, let's uh, make this something that is uh, out there. And then when it comes to audiovisual, there's so much uh, when it comes to accessibility, um, when it, uh, especially when it comes to sound, uh, lighting, and um, uh, opportunities. Visual to, aspects. Yeah, anything that could really do that. Because I think that like, w most of the time when people think of accessibility, they think of kind of like um, the... Wheelchairs and fire yeah, safety, you yeah. know, and like that, those kind of things. But the thing that hard I of hearing, hard of hearing, it, actually, I think hard of hearing still isn't as um, up there as it should be. I think that like when I've done events, uh, oddly enough, like, I'm the one saying this, but when I've done events in Canada, I found that that's been a lot easier, mostly because there I, I've done a lot of events where there has to be um, dual language uh, and then the opportunity to uh, have uh, headphones on. And I've seen it like uh, events for a couple hundred people and one person take advantage of it, but it's still done. Mm -hmm. um, that's first off uh, Canadian. Uh, <laughs> and then second off on, on a number of levels, that's Canadian. And then second off that that's kind of what I think we should really be thinking about is like, Hey, look, if we made that one person uh, feel as though you were thinking about them, like I, the, the tricky part is that there absolutely is a cost of doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have to be, you know, smart about that. And I think virtual allows us another tool to be able to do that too. Um, I think that um, we, like, I, I've seen it even in retail, right? Like, so, like, I saw, I listened to this over the like a loudspeaker this weekend, and it like really kind of messed me up a little bit. They're like, uh, you know, I have to wear masks in the building, which I'm like, of course. Uh, they said, however, if you're someone who doesn't like to wear masks, and I was like, wait, that completely stopped my track. I'm like, why are we addressing? Wait, what? 
Yeah. Right. Like if you, you know, cause this is, that's an American thing, right? Uh, so if you're someone like that doesn't like to wear masks, uh, that's okay. We have all of this contactless opportunities for you to pick your stuff up and delivery and this and that. And I was thinking like, what a nice way, I guess, uh, to, and actually it's pretty legit, you know, like whatever, like all the people that say like they have, you know, I shouldn't say it, people that have health issues, um, that make the, the mask wearing is difficult. Um, great. They, they provided an opportunity for that as opposed to just saying like mask or, you know, we're going to, you know, publicly shame you. Um, they thought ahead and thought of a design and, and said like, look, this is an alternative. And I think that like, look, the hard of hearing thing, like we could think about this is the design of it very tricky and expensive for, you know, um, maybe you've done it once already and you know this and there'd be like one person. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe then you you uh, do it in a uh, virtual realm and then there's some kind of automated tool uh, that is more cost uh, effective. Um, you know, not the same experience granted, but at least it is an overture, uh, you know, towards uh, uh, accessibility and um, and thinking of that person as valid and, and uh, their experiences as, you know, uh, something to design for. Um, so ultimately, I think that like we uh, we need to think about like even even small, small groups within our groups as um, just as important as the large group. And I think that that's a, that's the biggest change I've seen when it comes in like human trend to design uh, is the fact that like um, it doesn't matter if you're the majority or not. Everyone has mm -hmm. to have some kind of footing that is uh, thought thought for. Well, to bring back to the original conversation, too, like, I think that let, let's tar talk hard of hearing and, like, let us know, too, if you have any other examples, shoot us an email, eventbrew at helloendless.com. We want to hear from you. But I feel like in the case of hard of hearing, um, virtual has gone exponentially better for them and way more inclusive because now that you know they can choose what their hearing device is that they're going to hear it in they don't have to rely on the av company designing the speaker system in the right way but also too that like let's say for example you need captions well you know before yeah if you needed captions of the event you you they would either have you know asl interpreter or um, you know you have to put captions on screen or something like that. Where like now, technically you can use like a, an automated tool to at least get you. You know, we we all know these automated tools suck, but at least like eighty percent of the way there, I'm sure, which is better than nothing um, that your organizer might have done in the past. So I feel like uh, for hard of hearing, definitely inclusivity has gone tremendously up. Um, but I, again, like I, I'd also love to to know if I'm wrong. So feel free to email and let us know. You have to believe though that the technology is going to catch us up and. You know, one of the issues I think we face with accessibility is that is that I don't know that that everybody out there that should know what all the accessibility issues are know what they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that you know, as a community and as a, as an industry, the 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 more educated we get as to what some of the barriers are, the more pressure can be put on finding solutions for them because the solutions are out there and they don't have to be expensive and and it's you know and and maybe this push to virtual will help with that maybe once we start retaining those those that audience in a live format again we're going to say okay well you know all these people you know were attending our events prior because they could now we need to find a way to get them into a space live and put the pressure on the tech companies to make it happen um, because i think the solutions are actually quite simple for a lot of these things um, and you know just as lack of awareness in some ways total lack of awareness and i think a lack of demand because i think those people that have those accessibility issues have just chosen to sit it out instead of coming and you know risking being uncomfortable or risking the flashing lights or the fog or all the other things that that um 
that can be compromising for them. And I don't think the demand is there. And, you know, this could create a demand where we didn't see one before. Speaking of fog, I thought this was really interesting what you posted in the chat. I didn't know this existed on here, but Dustin, you maybe want to talk a little bit about the this kind of a warning that you kind of you saw um, on here. Uh, I, I've never heard of it before. Which one? Uh, it, you have it on here, like the warning that you posted, and it says uh, use of fog machines, any other chemical smells may uh, affect be ex ex inaccessible to individuals with multiple chemical sensitivities or idiopathic environmental intolerances. I had never heard of that before. I never even like thought that was an issue. Mm, and I do fog people, all the time, like right? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of people that have a sensitivity to fog. Like if I'm going to um, if I'm going to a, a show that has a lot of fog, I have to take an inhaler with me because it can trigger oh. a, like it can trigger a bit of an asthma attack. Um, and it specifically is fog. It's something it took me a couple years to figure it out. I thought I actually had asthma and I didn't. It was the chemicals in the fog that would like start to flare up like a respiratory issue. <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. So it's. You Did know. you know about that warning before you had that issue yourself? I had no idea. I had, See, to no, me, I had yeah. no, no idea what was causing it and it yeah. finally put it all together. And, yeah. and then once you knew that, did you see it, you know, kind of thing like where, where it was somewhere because you're like, yeah, that's because you had that issue. Did you, were you more aware of that kind of signage or like totally? Yeah. 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 And, and I'm, and I'm much more aware of what chemicals people use. Um, so I can, <laughs> you I, know, the they, difference between oil-based haze and water-based yes, haze. So. Yes. yes. <laughs> See, that to was me, a production nerd joke. <laughs> because, because, because there is, you know, there, there's a lot of garbage you can put in the air and there's, there is better solutions. And like most things, the cheap stuff is, is not great. And you can insist on better quality product. Um, yeah, Didn't know. and that's and again, this is just like one, one, one tiny little piece of, of you know the different things you can do to make people comfortable, and that you know the fog the fog conversation is funny because it's the last thing you would think about, as you know when you when you're thinking about you know designing an environment and the comfort of your guests, it's it really is the last thing you think about. It's no one, it's nowhere on anybody's checklist except for the AV company, and <laughs> um, and knowing and understanding what that is and how it's used and the density to what it's used. I don't know that we all need to be pros in it, but I do think that we should be aware aware of it. Um, you know the 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 strobing lights and flashing is that is a big issue for a lot of people. Oh, that's humongous, yeah. And you know, and that and that in a lot of cases is you know should come with a, a bit of a warning and you know there's a there's like there's tiktoks that give you a warning <laughs> there's like like flash warning and then whatever that's on the tiktok starts going and and i i think that these i think these issues will will start to to you'll you'll see you'll see more warnings but i also think you'll see shows that are designed better to ensure that 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 this isn't affecting people um it doesn't mean that your show can't have lights and strobing it's just it just there's a science behind it as to how bright how fast and people just need to learn what that is i'm no expert in it but i'm aware of it for sure i think that awareness uh is the key part and especially because again you saw that kind of like uh that note about that that existed for another event because you had a heightened um awareness of that because of personal experience and to me that's like in a nutshell why designing with diverse teams is super important because you, there's so many different environmental possibilities when you design an experience that will have 
subtle to um, big impacts on people. And the more collective um, diversity you have in experiences in life uh, to bring to the table. Um, and I, I'm talking about like in, like in any form of diversity whatsoever. But like I, I think that the most important is um, having them be as different as possible. Um, the more that you can design um, with not just one uh, type of person or one experience in mind. And if we're going to be ahead of curves, uh, the only way to be ahead of the curve is to have more intelligence. Um, and, and the intelligence really is about experiences. We design experiences. I've been saying this a lot more now and thinking about this a lot more, but like we design experiences, we know experiences are impactful. Then that means we, we should know just as much that the experiences of the people who create and design um, are, are absolutely vital in, in what goes in to an experience design. So like, you only get out what you put in. And I think that like the power uh, of uh, an experience is being able to understand what, um, what could happen and what should happen. Uh, and you only get that by having people with just like radically different experiences um, helping you paint this picture. Um, I, I, I think that the, the thing that is missed the most in accessibility is um, any kind of um, social anxieties or mm -hmm. um, mm. the, the big bucket of, of mental um, differences that are huge, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that we've, we've absolutely made jokes about the idea that this is so many people, it'll make you, you know, uh, you know, feel weird or go crazy, or it's so loud. It's this, or so this, you know, like the vet, this is the loudest event it's ever going to be. No one's ever said this is the quietest event. <laughs> totally. And there's all these different like social anxieties that are absolutely as real. Um, as the physical ones and we just think of like fire safety and paths between chairs as accessibilities you know beginning and end but the reality is is that um, physical and mental are on on par with each other like there's not one type of accessibility that because you can see it it's there uh, and I think the people who don't tell you that this is what would make them feel more uh, comfortable are more likely to be the people with um, different uh, social and uh, mental differences than it would be uh, the people with physical because the phys people with physical have very defined um, and people bring it up to them, you know, because and, they can see it and they have more protections, right? True. So those, ADA those that have on our side. those, those that have, um, you know, physical, physical restrictions, they have protections, they have laws that are built for them. They have, you know, groups that are fighting for them. Those that have, you know, some, you know, I think especially some social anxiety or have some, you know, you know, mental, mental blocks that, that keep them from enjoying something the way we enjoy it. Like who's fighting for them and who's, who's educating us to make sure that we're giving them an environment that works for them. And that's something that will likely have to change. And without a study in front of me to refer to, I actually think that's getting worse. And I think we're hearing about it more or it's, you know, maybe it's not more prevalent, but there, you know, there's, there definitely is more of that that we need to accommodate for and i think that the damage that covid has done to the psyche to the to the human Damn, mind you took what i was gonna say dustin I'll, i was like I'll, oh my God. I'll let you i'll let you finish that off then because it because i think because i think that that is real and i think we're gonna have to fight back from that and absolutely and so going off what nick was saying yeah like when it comes to mental health you can't see that so you know someone could be struggling and you, you wouldn't be able to go and, and notice those things. And now more than ever, and I just had this experience. I just 
went and grabbed lunch and we walked uh, uh my friend and I we walked on the board the Venice boardwalk and she go- and because she's been quarantining you know like restaurants are now open outdoors uh and she goes wow this is actually really triggering like there's so much happening right now and I didn't you know and I, so we we went down like an, a back alley but I was like wow I didn't even think about that to really consider like how she could be feeling you know during COVID I feel like when people start coming back to live events after you know or actually not even after just during this pandemic it's gonna that we as designers need to think about those things and how we're going to implement and like safe well one safely bring everyone together but then two like how do we like respect people's spaces and Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to COVID like that's something that I hope all of us start designing and, mm-hmm. and considering because that's definitely going to be a huge, mm-hmm. huge well, if thing COVID taught us that. anything, it's that, that I think in general, we need to design with a bit more elbow room and, and to put it in such a, in a, in a much simpler way. Like I think, I, I do think that the days of just packing things to capacity, I don't know that they're behind us, but I think there's something we need to start thinking about because there's you know it's it's more than it's more than just fear that we're going to have an outbreak because I think we're going to be beyond that but but I think that it doesn't speak to somebody's comfort level it doesn't allow those that need a little bit more room to breathe and I think having some some spaces that are that don't have you know all the things that we were just talking about like all those those high sensory complications like I think those need to become a a common place and I think they shouldn't be tucked away a million miles away from everybody else I think we need to have respect for the attendees that that need to get out of the the throngs and um can can still feel like they're a part of the event so yeah I mean like the, I, so they don't feel like the one vegan at the <laughs> it's at always the my yeah it's always my go-to because I've experienced it a million times yeah I think about like even like let's say some of the big industry events you know where like the it culminates in this large networking event that's where where is it generally if it's in a big city it's at a club you know it's uh oh God. <laughs> it, yeah, there's I, a, I don't want i don't want to i don't want to call it out but there was an yeah, event yeah. in in twenty twenty that their the off one of the offsite events was just it was unacceptable the amount of people they piled into each other and it was just pre covid and like it was it was not okay. I, Back on inclusivity and accessibility, though. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it is in as much as like there, there's people who are I think what we're bringing out now is that um, people have some trepidations around mental and physical um, challenges uh, to experiences um, that make them not feel like they're comfortable, that they, they belong there. Uh, and designing a, a mono atmosphere, you know, where there's just one opportunity, where there's not a white space or not a space to get away from this or not a, um, you know, or trigger warnings or signs or, or ahead of time or opportunities at registration to have information about, you know, and giving people examples so make it easier to, you know, actually um, give out those things. Like, would you take advantage of this if this was there? You know, we could find out that, well, geez, you know, no one's asked for it, but no one expects it. And I think that, right. like, that's one of the things that is funny. Like, Julius, years ago, um, when I was at Event Manager Blog, he was saying, like, we're not going to say millennials want this, millennials want that anymore. That's stricken. Because he was saying that, like, everyone wants this. These are the people that are willing to fight for it. Every, no one wants a, a long line at registration. No one wants this. No one wants that. They'll fight for it. And I think that, like, the waiting for people to fight for it is kind of like a you know kind of a lame way to design when we could like Mm -hmm. 
just pay attention and listen mm-hmm. and uh, actually that, that really should be our job is yeah, to right? anticipate those things and yeah and and and, and, and not, not thinking of it from just a statistical standpoint of like this is only one person out of a hundred in your whole audience but instead like look at it as that's one person period that that's a really person to, hey, cover. yeah that's, that's a, a great that is such a great way to put it I, I love that yeah it's not just it's not that it's one person in this group it is a person right. and that person needs to be treated you know with respect and with um, and look, if we're smart enough, you know, if we're good at what we do and we're actually creative, like truly creative, we'll find a solution to it. And I think that like virtual, it's what it is to me is it's one more tool. You know, it's not necessarily the only tool, but at least we have more tools to potentially, you know, uh, bring more people in. Right. And I think, and I think today, if you know, there's one person that is hard of hearing, there's probably 10 more. That you I haven't, agree too. That yeah, you haven't created a, um, you haven't you haven't created a way for them to communicate to you what what would make their experience better. And I think that that as we as we start to deal with you know the 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 topic of um, accessibility and inclusivity, I think that the more questions we ask, the more we're going to learn about our attendees that we probably didn't know, and we probably think that you know there's there's just that one guy so we always make sure we reserve him a seat by the speaker but that's not <laughs> that's not actually the solution and i think there's, there's there is probably a lot more so i think as we peel this back as an industry we're going to find um that we can do our jobs a whole hell of a lot better with with knowing who our audience is and asking the right questions beyond you know meat or no meat I, I got one thing that I think makes uh, virtual events a little bit more exclusive and kind of the opposite of being more inclusive. I think we kind of decided that, like, hey, overall, we think they're a little bit more accessible. But let's talk about, a, like, a group of people who probably now struggle with virtual events, and that's people who don't enjoy technology or not familiar with technology in a lot of ways, right? Uh, everybody has it, that one person who's still running Internet Explorer and, you know, they they, they, have, they have the iPhone 6 and they're totally cool with it, right? So the question becomes how do we make sure that those people feel inclusive as part of the experience? Because a lot of times this really does have like a – like I, I think I noticed it very early when I was doing a webinar I think in March and I was like, okay, so I have a Google Doc where you can take notes and then I have a you know uh, this chat where you can chat here and here you can react to this and this and that. And they go like, this is just too much happening at once. And I realized I was like – I have to remember that, like, not everyone's a digital native like me, but, like, how can you make it so that that experience is still enjoyable for somebody who, you know, um, yeah, is, is, you know, rocking the iPhone 6? Resources. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with Chewy. Communication, here, we need help, here's, reach out to this person or this email address, have the instructions. Um, Alcida just did that recently. They sent out this detailed information of preparing to be in that virtual conference. Uh, that was really helpful. Um, I I don't know, Dustin. What else you got? I think the understanding that not everybody is going to be able to do it and a path for them. Because I think that that I'm seeing this a lot in the platform demos that I'm doing, where it's just like either you get it and you do it, or there's nothing for you. And I think that mm-hmm. that is quite difficult because you know, and a lot of us assume that it's like at this point in the game, everybody knows everybody's figured it out and it is not true at all. And yeah. You're like, I assume you know how to turn your webcam and your microphone. It's yeah. Like, no. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't make those assumptions and that's what's going to make, I think that's, what's going to be one of the biggest challenges for digital events moving forward is that, is that we're just going to start to assume that it's like, well, if you survive 2020, then you know how to do these things. And, um, but I also think that technology is going to help us catch up on that. I think that, 
that you know as as we see the next the next generation of computer at home computers and laptops change i think it's going to become so much easier for people to use those tools um but we got some catch up to do there and um and yeah i agree i think that that you know a lot of digital events are you know exclusively built for people that can understand at least the base of the the technology and i think too there's you know it's not just you know, you need to be in a place where you've got good equipment at home and you need to be in a place where you've got great Wi-Fi and you need, and that's not, you know, we're, we're actually quite privileged and we get, you know, yeah, we get access to these things that. and that's not, that's not the way it is everywhere. Um, not, not everybody gets, has. gets yeah. a fiber internet to their, inter, to their, to their home. Or their <laughs> With an enterprise grade Wi-Fi. Yeah. Not, ever, not everybody gets that. And you guys, or even a laptop, like when or everyone started ha having to go remote, like, People yeah, didn't even have working spaces, you know. And think of the competition, especially right now. And this this will fade, but think of the competition for the technology in the house right now, right? So if you're a family, everybody, everybody's having mm -hmm. to do their thing at home, whether they're working from home, kids are going to school at home, you're streaming this, that, and the other thing for everybody to stay sane. And then you're asking your, you know, you're asking your technology to keep up with one more thing. I think I think it's a real, a real issue. Yeah, we're recording this right now. I'm playing Pokemon on two phones. Uh, there's, uh, <laughs> they're definitely streaming Disney Plus downstairs. And my wife's on her phone, so yeah, I, I actually ended up. That getting... is that is the new privilege right there. <laughs> <laughs> Wi-Fi. Yeah, I got business uh, grade uh, Wi-Fi in my house uh, a couple weeks ago because I was like. Yeah, it took a crap on you right when we were about to record. <laughs> yep, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna do this right now. Uh, too much of my life is on this now. But you're absolutely right, and I think that like the the, the caution is anytime we go, look, everyone's here now, everyone's this now, everyone's that now. Um, that's nonsense, and I think that like that's anytime anyone says that, we should push back and say no. Um, they're, they're people are different, and they're built mm -hmm. differently. And again, we're creatives and we're smart. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's we should be this is what is asked of of smart creative people is yeah. to actually come up with solutions uh, not write things off not say it's too hard like yeah. let's do it yeah one of the one of the best solutions to this that that comes to mind for me is give you know give attendees an opportunity to log on 10 or 15 minutes early and mm -hmm. do and run a tutorial so it's like if you know you don't need it then don't then you don't then you don't show up until the five o'clock show but if you know that you are going to need some support getting set up get ever get those people on there at 4 45 run them through it so that when showtime happens everybody is on the same page and like that's that is just idea. such a simple easy, easy way to get everybody on a level playing field and um and i think too it's like you know have a place for people to ask you questions that get immediate responses to somebody to help them make sure that your team is is big enough to respond to those things and not just leave them floundering in the chat or the worst thing is when you get all the attendees trying to help them it's like just, <laughs> just can we just get a pro that can that can interact with them and 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 get them like going. proactive support versus yeah. like i feel like what's happening right now is very very reactive support because like resources are low across all these companies but you know, like think about when we would see someone like looking really lost on their phone or looking around. We would yeah. go walk up and be like, "Hey, are you lost right now? How can yeah. I help you?" You know, or like point. virtual, you don't have that chance. Yeah. Well, that's, that's uh, the way hospitality is trained, right? They're trained to to you know look at somebody and say, "Oh, they need something," and then decide what it you know decide how you can how you can support them whether they're lost, they need a drink, that's, they need. That's a that's a plus on the side of face to face. You're absolutely right. The hospitality and uh, the uh, concierge style 
uh, help is, uh, I, I would say, so far right now of what I've seen, uh, it's still superior in face-to-face. And, mm-hmm. and virtual is a little bit of like, well, you know, we, we did this great. We have this UX is our right. uh, hospitality. It, it's so smart, you know, and it's like, <laughs> Again, you're still basing your design off everyone's built the same. Like you're not building enough opportunities for flexibility and opportunities for engagement and treating even one or two people. But I think when a lot of these organ- technology organizations, like they're they're thinking about scaling, so their mind is always set on most amount of this, least amount of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the whole mentality. And hospitality is based on like everyone needs to feel good. You know, everyone is covered. And, um, you know, like anything in like the Disney model, like I always love the example of like a Disney, if like you, if, if a um, cast member sees you, you know, f- uh, dropping your popcorn, uh, they'll, they'll bring you another popcorn, you know, like that, they're trained to do that because hospitality is the uh, experience, not the popcorn or the, is the product. And right. um, there's nothing like that in virtual. There's no like school right. of thought, like the, right. of the writs of like, you know, ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. There's no virtual equivalent of that. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I would hope that eventually it catches up. Um, but I think that there is something to be said about face to face and being able to see people in distress mm-hmm. and see people that that like just the humanness of us. It makes it much easier almost to mm-hmm. uh, address it in the moment. Uh, do you think do you think that based on who is creating these events? So we're we're looking at more, you know, AV technology companies. Do you think that that maybe there is a deficit of that sort of hospitality training that event profs, you know, generally will come from or, or understanding of? And do you think that there's enough empathy in that group of people to really be successful and effective? Or is there a bit more training that could be done there? Like anything, like I believe that like, obviously, you know, diversity is the answer. So like to me, it's a collaboration between those two groups uh, would be um, the, the ideal situation. Um, I mean, like I can speak from our side, from all seated, like we went, we created a virtual platform after years and years of working with event professionals, mm-hmm. um, like Sandy, the CMO founder of our company, like she's in the ICA or international caters association, um, board. That's not a place you would find a technology right. person, right. right? Which is smart. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, she's very, her, she, her friends and her mentors in the industry, uh, that help her understand things aren't aren't the technology side or even the big corporate side. They're actually the the hospitality and caterers and people like that because um, the goal has always been to create something that while not necessarily, you know, the fastest scaling product, uh, but something that is um, filling in the gaps where the humanity isn't, you know, and that's why we're not like a broadcast style virtual platform or like more of a, a, you know, trying to create this human thing again. So like, uh, I, I don't know, I, I believe like that's where I know we're from even too. Yeah. And I, I think that like there is something to be said about the event. And I've seen a couple other technologies developed by event professionals uh, or in collaboration with people. And there is an element to it that I'm always like, oh, only that, only those people would have thought of that. Right. And um, I think that if I was a technology company looking to get into this sector, uh, I would I would definitely bring on some consultants and some uh, hospitality minded people in order to um, think along those those lines because we just get humans you know in a way that mm-hmm. the tech people d- sort of don't um, yeah. we just that that's who we are I mean to a fault that's why we didn't adopt the technologies that we should have at the speed right. we should have but um, we 
that understanding of humanity outside of just the UX and just designing for um, the middle. Um, designing for extremes has always been my mentality. You know, like look at look at the and there are two different kinds of design methodologies, but like designing for extremes allows you to the middle's covered with that. You know, so like if you do opposite ends and saying like, look, there's only two of these people, three of these people. But if you do these people and on the outer edges, the middle is easy, you know, because Mm -hmm. you've made something flexible enough for even the people on the outside. Um, And tech doesn't do that that often. Like it's more it's just a numbers game. Yeah, that's I think where I was going with that. So, yeah. Well, you want (laughs) to. Over to I, I was just guy. curious if there's any other bad examples of how virtual was le- was uh, less inclusive, but I think we tapped pretty much a lot of those examples. But maybe we want to hear from the audience. Yes, audience, let Absolutely. us know. Email us. Let us know if there is other examples that you have of how you think virtual events are less inclusive and less accessible than have talked about here we'd love to hear from you event brew at helloendless.com. we read every single one of your emails so shoot us an email but um yeah should we uh should we take this one on home uh for everyone um well nick dustin tui thank you so much for an awesome conversation um and yeah that's my call to action i already did the call to action i've told everybody what to do so i think we just get to say goodbye should we shall we say goodbye to everyone goodbye to everyone (laughs) bye everyone Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. See you next time on Event Brew.